I had a quick adjustment um, regarding um, um, Craig's mom. She's not sick or, or anything like that. She just the season's kind of hard for her, and so we want to be praying for that specifically. I, I just wanted to make sure that was clear, um, so that folks weren't yes. Oh, if you are a small child or would like to be a small child, um, or are Carly, um, <laughs> we do have a nursery downstairs. If if kids are going to have trouble listening to me for more than two or three minutes, you can send them on down there. Um, and, and <laughs> yeah, if but we'll uh, we'll pray real quick and we'll like like as we prepare to hear the message. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning. I pray that you would. Uh, Touch our, touch our hearts and touch our minds. Help us to hear your word um, as, we, uh, as we've gathered here to worship you and, and as we celebrate this Christmas season. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, so hopefully my slide projection toy will work. My batteries are almost dead. And I noticed as I sat down that I have 11%, and so it has to be a short sermon. Thank you for not cheering. <laughs> so this is our second week as we're, we're looking at our, our series theme is, is throwing the perfect Christmas party. And um, I, my argument is the perfect Christmas party was probably the first one, right? Uh, the one where Jesus was actually born. And we're going to be looking at different elements of that. Last week we talked a little bit about sending out the right invitations. And for those of you all who missed it, stars and uh, angels, if you can get them. Um, just saying. Um, for this week, we're going to be talking about dealing with the family members no one invited or nobody wanted to invite. Um, don't raise your hands. How many, or don't point either. <laughs> how many of y'all have family members that you would just as soon not have there? You know, Christmas happens and you think, oh my gosh, that creepy uncle is going to be here and he's going to drink too much eggnog. <laughs> And it's going to be a disaster. Or that guy, I can't believe he's here. You, you know who I'm talking about, right? You're all related to him too, right? <laughs> um, is my wife... So about my... Inlet, no, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> um, as I was thinking about this, actually, I uh, the first place that my mind always goes, I, I love Christmas movies. How many of y'all watch the Christmas movies? Is it just like three of us, really? Um, and, and there's like the best of the best, like a Christmas story is probably the best Christmas movie. Um, what else? What else? The Grinch. You know, the animated one with Boris Karloff is so much better. Um, and, and my, my, probably my favorite is a, a Christmas story, or not a Christmas story, I just said that. Um, um, Christmas Vacation, have any of you guys seen that one? I, I was going to use a clip, but I only have it on VHS, and I, I didn't want to use a VHS copy. But, but my favorite scene in the whole, well, no, there are many favorite scenes. But, but anything dealing with a family in that movie, because the, the relatives are all horrible. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, like and, and they're just the kinds of people that you get around them, and you think, oh, my gosh, what are you doing here? And, and the best scene is where, where um, he's trying to get the Christmas lights to light. You know what I'm talking about? And then, you know, he, he's like, like fighting with it, and he has his temper tantrum like Chevy Chase only can, can have, and, and he's, you know, messing with it, and the lights come on, and, and the family's all lined up on the lawn, and he's, you know, all excited, and he's singing, I think, the Hallelujah Chorus. <laughs> and he and he walks down the line and tries to have a really personal family moment with every family member, and he talks to his dad, and his dad's like, the lights look perfect. They're great, son. And he's kind of, you know, when he goes to the in-laws, and they're like, it's gaudy, you know? <laughs> and, and he gets to the very end, and and um, who's standing there but 
Cousin Eddie, who, who's the best character in the franchise. Um, um, probably toward the end, he's the only reason it's funny. And, and he, uh, he's standing there and, and he's shocked, you know, and, and Cousin Eddie is there. And from there on out, Cousin Eddie is the butt of every joke, right? Um, in fact, actually, the very next line, once they're in the house and they're drinking eggnog, um, actually, I have a, oh, there's my low battery warning, is, is this scene where, where they're drinking eggnog and, and out of their Marty Moose cups, which is a reference to that first movie. Um, and he says, well, you surprised I'm here. And he's like, I wouldn't have been more surprised if I had woken up with my head sewn to the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love this movie. And love, you know, because he is the quintessential terrible relative, right? He's responsible for destroying dinner and burning down the tree and kidnapping Clark's boss and I mean everything else. And and as we look at um, as we look at the original Christmas story, um, there is there is a collection of folks who show up who who may not have been the first people we would have invited, right? And and incidentally, between the star and the angels, these these are the first people who get invited. Like these are the one God goes out of his way to invite. Um, Specifically, I'm talking about the shepherd and the magi, right? And we're gonna, we're gonna look at these guys today. And there's some interesting stuff going on. I, I talked about them a bit last week. Um, there it went. I'm gone. Um, and so we're gonna start, <laughs> we're gonna start with the, what's going on? We're gonna start with the, uh, Luke chapter two. <laughs> Alright, I'm giving up on it. I'm not using it. I'm just gonna use the notes if you can keep up with me. That'll be great. Um, Luke chapter 2, if you've got a Bible or if it's on the screen, you can follow along. Um, Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king. Um, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, um, where is he who is born the king of the Jews? For For we saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Now, we're going to pause a second. Herod's kind of a villain in the Christmas story, right? I mean, everybody's sort of heard this. He's the one who has the firstborn killed. You know, like he says, well, if we can't figure out who he is, just kill all the firstborn sons. You know, and I mean, he's a villain. And actually, as history records it, he was a pretty, pretty big turkey. Um, for example, on the day that Herod passed, he had a standing order that all of the richest people and most prominent and well-loved people in town were to be gathered up and executed publicly. Um, because he said, no one's going to cry when I pass away, and I want people to mourn. So he makes sure that everybody in the city is mourning when he dies. He's, he's a turkey. He actually kills off most of his kids, except for one that he picks as a successor. He keeps in jail to keep from killing him. <laughs> I know you've thought about it. <laughs> um, anyway, so they show up and they talk to Herod. Why do they show up in, in um, Jerusalem if Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Well, they show up at the capital, right? And the capital is where you know where you would expect a king to be born. And so they follow the star, they arrive, and and... There they are, and they talk to Herod, and Herod says, I have no idea, but if I figure out who he is, I'm going to do what I do best. Um, so he goes to his, his chief priests and his scribes, and he says, All right, so where is this Messiah to be born? And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for this is what was written by the prophet. Um, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the least leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and you have, when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may go worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the, and the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell on the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi Magi left for their own country another way. I'm going to go a little backwards, honey, so the slides are going to be backwards. Just a warning. Um, So the Magi, first off, we always hear, what are they always called? Kings or wise men, right? Because kings sounds pretty good, and so does wise men. Magi... Uh, kind of one of those words that's been lost in history, like we're not exactly sure. But I'll tell you what they are. They're um, followers of the Zoroastrian faith, um, which is um, a Middle Eastern religion. It appeared 700 B.C., so it's an older faith, right? And Zoroastrian, they were pagans, right? And they did some really weird and creepy things. They just did. I mean, some of the ways that they observed their religion, like if you pass away as a Zoroastrian, they put your body up on a tower and they let the birds eat you before they bury the rest. I mean, and, and people kind of, eh, they were a little standoffish towards these guys, right? Um, they were probably coming from Persia. Um, and last week we talked a little bit about the star business, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and, and touch on this again, just briefly. Um, first off, by the way, there were probably more than three, right? Tradition has it that there were 12, but there's no written documents that say anything about how many there were. There was just a crowd of them. Traveling as a group of three, probably not very safe. It was a very dangerous time. A lot fewer highway patrolmen, so you couldn't get pulled over speeding. But conversely, um, you could get robbed and killed. So, you know, it's a give and take. Um, and so you would travel places in large numbers. Um, and, and as you were traveling... Um, you would have a caravan where you would eat and, and everything else together. And so there's probably a crowd of these guys. It's probably not three. Um, and, and as they were going, they were following, what were they following? A star. Now, Zoroastrians, these guys were probably astrologers, right? Not astronomers, astrologers. Um, and not the kind that we read about in the paper, you know, like, like you know, you will meet the love of your life this week. These guys were, were guys who took this very seriously. And one of the things that we talked about last week was this series of kind of neat things that took place, like Halley's Comet passed through about five years before Jesus was born. Um, and so this is an early warning star, right? Um, about a year to two years before Jesus was born, several of the planets aligned. Jupiter and Saturn aligned in um, the constellation, I think it was Pisces. I mean, I talked about this last week, so if it's a rerun, I'm sorry. Um, And why this was significant was that Jupiter was the king of the stars, right? Um, And Pisces was associated with the land, or with the Jews, right? And um, um, Saturn was, was associated with the west. So these guys lived in the east, and they went west, um, looking for this Messiah. And so they looked at the stars and they said, hey, look, a king is going to be born in the west amongst the Jews. So they get their early warning, this is coming. Mind you, this is a pagan religion, right? These are not Jewish people. They're not, well, Christians would be a little early to be Christians. Um, <laughs> they're not Baptists either. Sorry, honey. Um, <laughs> they're, they're pagans. And God literally works through this pagan faith to give them this early warning. Kind of neat, huh? Um, 
So then we step to the next level, and we find the Chinese give us a record of this historically, that there was a supernova that took place in the year Jesus was born, and it lit up the night sky for about 70 days, 7-0. So about the time that Jesus was born, well, lo and behold, um, a bright star appears, and it, you know, these guys follow it, and they get where they're going, um, and, and they're looking for Jesus, right? Now, as foreigners, there are some interesting things to know about them. This is why you wouldn't invite them over. This is why they're Cousin Eddie. Everybody with me? Um, for starters, Jewish people followed some very strict rules, right? And a lot of their rules were contained in a book called the Talmud. Now, the Talmud, so you have the Torah, right? That's Genesis, Exodus, the first several books of the Bible. And then they they said, well, let's discuss what these mean. And they discussed it, and they wrote a book called the Mishnah. And then they're like, well, that's not very thorough. Let's talk some more. And then they wrote a book called the, you know, they expanded it out into the Talmud. The Talmud is sort of the rule book that sits with the ten, or the, the first several books of the Bible. So for a Jewish person, if you had a doubt, like the commandment, don't work on Sunday. Everybody knows this one? So then someone comes along and says, well, wait a minute. What if I've got to walk to the store? Is that work? And so all the leaders sat down, and they're like, well, is it work? I don't know. How far is it? Is it a block? Well, then a block's okay. If it's two blocks, it's not okay. So this is how far, and this is exactly, I mean, this book is, it's a little silly after a while, right? Um, but it's all the rules you had to follow to be okay with God. And, and amongst these rules, there was a huge ongoing debate. It had been going on for hundreds of years. Who is your neighbor? Everybody with me? Who is your neighbor? Why did they discuss it? Well, because the Bible says, the Old Testament says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. That's in, uh, that is in the Old Testament. Jesus quotes it as well, but it's, it's originally in the Old Testament. So you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who do I have to love and who I, who can I get away with not loving? Everybody with me? Because if I have to treat people nice, I want to know exactly who I can get away with not being nice to. Are my in-laws my neighbors? Probably according to the the Jewish leaders, right? There was one group that no matter who you were, they all agreed, Samaritans were not your neighbors. But we're not talking about them today. Some folks would say, Romans were not your neighbors. Because they conquered us, they're big jerks, so they're not our neighbors. Um, One of the prominent discussions that took place was whether or not foreigners were your neighbors. And they all agreed, in the end, foreigners were not a class of neighbor. And that meant, first off, if you came across that guy beaten up and laying in the side of the road, you didn't have to help him. And there were some rabbis later on who came along and said, you know what, not only do you not have to help them, you shouldn't help them. It's better if you don't help them, because you'll use energy that you should be using to serve God. How messed up is that? (laughs) And so, like, these guys who show up, first off, they're outsiders. They're not neighbors. They're not okay, right? And they're pagans, so they're worshiping a different god. And you ain't supposed to hang out with these guys, right? So um, it's kind of first out of the gate, these are not likables, right? The next thing, actually, that historically has turned into a tricky point, um, foreigners could not testify in court, right? So like if um, John was mugged this week and a foreigner saw him, the foreigner couldn't testify about it. Now, so the, one of the first witnesses of the life of Christ is a foreigner. In fact, actually, if somebody were to make up a lie 
would you pick the most credible guy or the least credible guy to be your witness? Um, it's one of those arguments that people point to as to the accuracy of the Bible. Like if you were, if it's really made up, why would you pick a foreigner? Because nobody's going to buy it. You know, it's not the right, not the right witness. It's like saying a. a uh, you know, this prisoner or, or, or someone, you know, or an Anderson. No, I'm kidding. Um, they saw it happen. Nobody's going to believe that. Um, I, I keep picking on the Durgas. I got to spread it around. Um, and so, first off, can't testify, not welcome, not the guys you want to have around. Everybody with me? Now, they did come with gifts, so that's nice. But for the most part, these are not the guys you want to have around. Um, the, the people that nobody would invite normally. Well, why did God pick them then is the next question. Well, um, first off, they were coming to honor the birth of a king. Um, so we see a very specific end of who Jesus is, right? Jesus is born the king of the Jews. Actually, Jesus is born the king of kings. Like he is so high up there that all kings worship him ultimately. Um, and so well, what happens with kings? Well, foreign dignitaries visit them, right? Um, they visit presidents, too, where they show up at the White House and they bring gifts, right? And they say, well, you know, our country loves you guys and we love you. And, you know, this is part of what happens. Well, they show up and they and they um, present gifts to the birth of this king. And part of what God is doing here is he's demonstrating Jesus' like bigness, right? He is king. Um, the other thing is that there's a parallel. Um, you guys have heard of Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel, right? Richest man in the world at one point. Um, thousand wives. So he wasn't that smart. Um, <laughs> um, widely considered to be one of the wisest men, like, ever, right? Wrote a whole collection of books from the Bible, like, like um, Song, uh, Song of Solomon, which is a fun book you can read on your own. Um, um, he wrote many of the Psalms. He wrote most of Proverbs. He wrote Ecclesiastes. Like, brilliant guy, except for the wives thing. Um, at one point in time, he gets a visit from the Queen of Sheba, right? And it's this foreign dignitary coming to, like, pay tribute to him, like, to bow down and say, hey, you guys are in charge. You know, hey, you're awesome. And when she shows up, she brings gold and a collection of spices. Well... The wise men bring what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we don't, myrrh and frankincense are kind of a lost thing to us. Basically, they brought spices, right? So we have a parallel to Solomon. And so part of what's going on here is that God is saying, hey, you know what, my son? At his birth was greater than Solomon. Greater than one of the greatest kings you people ever had. So God is putting out an image there. Hey, look at this. Um, and he's using weirdos and outsiders to do it. Isn't that crazy? There's another element to this. Um, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. One of the things that early writers um, kind of picked up on is the fact that this parallels certain things. Like gold is generally associated with royalty, right? Um, frankincense um, was associated with, with divinity or worship because it's an incense, right? You would use it in the making of incense, and so it's associated with, with divinity. And then uh, myrrh was a burial fluid, um, they, they didn't embalm quite like we do. They would use spices and other stuff to embalm. And this, this myrrh stuff would be used to bury. And so we have divinity, we have kingship, and we have sacrifice. Um, all represented in the birth of Christ. Because when Jesus is born, he's born literally for the purpose of dying to take your sins from you. Like to, to be punished in your place. 
um, which is why we celebrate, right? Because, like, it's us being free. We don't have to worry about, look how rotten I am. God forgives me. And it's all foretold in the very beginning, right? So we got our shepherd, or our, our rich guys. And honestly, they brought gifts, so they, we want them there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if somebody shows up in my house with a gift, they, they can be weirdo foreigners, but they're welcome in. <laughs> so the other group that shows up is our shepherds, right? And we talked a little bit about these guys last week. The Talmud, um, the Talmud, what it says about shepherds, first off, they're not trustworthy. Why? Because they don't go to temple, right? Because if you have sheep, um, who watches them when you go to temple? Well, nobody, right? Anybody ever raise sheep? They're clever animals, right? <laughs> um, they have a tendency to wander off and get eaten by coyotes, as I understand it, right? Or stolen by the neighbors if you live in the wrong spot. Or, <laughs> or what have you. I mean, like... like it is a full-time job to watch sheep. And so these guys generally didn't go to temple. And so the Talmud, in their infinite discussion, these rabbis sat down and said, these guys don't go to church, so they're not welcome. <laughs> they're dishonest because they don't go to church, right? Now, mind you, they could go and cover for them so they could go worship, but, you know, <laughs> no. They're also not considered to be a class of neighbors by many rabbis. Huh. And it's generally suggested by the same guy who suggested that it's wrong to help foreigners, that it's wrong to help shepherds. See a pattern here? The guys that God himself sends better than engraved invitations to show up to the birth of his son, to the, the ultimate baby shower, they're people that aren't neighbors and they're people you're not supposed to help. They're unlikables. Now, I haven't spent a lot of time around sheep, but as I understand it, they don't smell very nice. Is that fair? And these guys lived outside with their sheep, so they probably didn't smell very nice, right? Um, and these are the people that show up to the birth of the king of the universe. Now, if you flash back into the Old Testament, when people would come into the presence of God, sometimes they glowed, right? Moses would go into God's presence, and he would leave glowing like a light bulb. No Rudolph joke. Um, and And... and um, earthquakes would happen and, you know, God would warn, hey, don't touch the mountain that I dwell on or you'll die. You know, and people would come up and touch it and they'd die. Or like the, the Ark of the Covenant, we've all seen Indiana Jones, that big gold box where they would do their sacrifices. Um, if you touch that with your bare hands, it would kill you because you were touching something that was so holy that it was untouchable, right? And these shepherds, stinky, not your neighbor, dishonest shepherds walked into the very presence of God himself. And God in a position where, if you wanted to, you could probably step on him. I'm guessing that they didn't, like it would be a really rude thing to do. But um, um, God, you know, who needs his diapers changed? Like, the distance that God goes to be with us is sometimes lost in, like, you see these paintings of the baby Jesus where he glows? You know, sweet little baby Jesus laying in the manger. Like he, he's just so, you know, like, like perfect, right? But he was a baby, like a real baby. And so these people that no one in their right mind is going to invite, that crazy uncle, that stinky uncle, are the people that God picks. Now, well, what other significance is there here? Well, by the way, they couldn't testify in court. Did I mention that? 
They couldn't testify in court either. So the two people that God picks as witnesses are people that aren't able to testify in court. If you were going to make up a lie, you know, you wouldn't pick the guy that can't testify. You'd pick the credible guy, right? And so God is sort of thumbing his nose at folks at this point, right? Um, but there's some other things going on here. First off, same book, the Mishnah, right? Um, the Mishnah, there's a, a rule regarding agriculture. And there are laws here, right? Can you just run your cattle through town? I mean, I assume it's against the law, right? Like, I don't know. But, you know, could could Jim come through on it? Well, Jim, do you have, you don't have cattle, do you? Oh, could Larry come through on his horse with his six-gun and his cowboy hat driving cattle right through the middle of downtown? Oh, he can. <laughs> could he, could he, well, because he's Larry or because it's not legal? <laughs> could he graze his cattle around town? No, you can't, well, the Mishnah actually had very specific rules about where you were allowed to raise sheep. That was a, an analogy that fell flat. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I can tell you're all horrified for me. <laughs> The Mishnah said, listen, if you've got sheep and you're going to raise sheep, do not raise your sheep by the cities. Here are the boundary lines. Raise your sheep in the wilderness. You do not graze them near towns. You do, I mean, like, like literally. So these guys are either out in the wilderness, right? Or they're near Bethlehem. But the text indicates, oh, I didn't even read it, did I? Um, in the region, there were some shepherds laying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terribly frightened. Uh, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy and that, that will be for all people. Now, in the same region means in the neighborhood. Fair enough? If they got there the same night, they're not 30 miles out of town. Fair? Um, there was only one group of sheep that were allowed to be raised near cities. Kind of an interesting little tidbit here. According to the Mishnah, um, you were allowed to raise sheep near cities if they were for temple service. So the sheep that you would take in and sacrifice to God were the sheep that you were allowed to keep near town, right? And specifically, during that era, the sheep that were kept near town um, for the purpose of sacrifice, were kept in the area of Bethlehem. Um, and so the shepherds who hung out and watched sheep for the purpose of sacrifice hung out and watched Jesus, who was sent here for sacrifice. Um, God's already lined up what's going to happen here, and he's tipping his hand early, right? Um, so in with the, the Magi, we see the king of kings, right? Um, and with the shepherds, we see the Lamb of God, um, the perfect spotless Lamb that let God sent to take punishment for us, to be sacrificed for us, um, to take our sin away. Um, not because we can earn it, but because we can't earn it. Um, and so the, the awesome thing that God does here is he picks the two cousin Eddies of the community, <laughs> and he brings them in and he says, look at what I'm going to do. And not only that, I'm going to do it for these people. Right? Anybody here perfect? Anybody here have their days where they stink? Anybody here have those days where, like, nobody should trust you? You're the people that Jesus came for. You're the people that were invited to the birth of the Son of the King of the universe. Now, we all know folks like this. I'm going to back up a little bit here and, and talk for a moment here. Um, when the angels come to the shepherds, they're sitting out in the dark, right? Outside of town. 
Um, and we know folks like this, right? Folks who live in the dark that nobody trusts and nobody wants to get near them, right? Um, those are people that Jesus came for, and those are people that God sends us to save, right? Um, all of us know folks like Zoroastrians. It's a funny religion. One of the things about Zoroastrianism is you don't have to be moral. Isn't that crazy? Like, that's a great religion. I don't have to be good. Um, you're saved in Zoroastrianism if you work hard at your job. So you can be the biggest turkey in the world, but as long as you show up to work and bust your butt, you can go to heaven. Yeah. Of course, there's no standard for how hard you have to work. And so, like, one of the, the crazy things about Zoroastrianism is these guys are guys who are working, working, working to get to heaven. And if you let up, what if you let up just a little too long, right? What if I don't happen to be perfect at what I'm doing? That's going to be terrifying, right? This is the other thing that God gives us. And the other group of folks, and you all know folks like this, right? People who are going to be good enough to go to heaven if they have to work hard enough. Or they think, well, I'm better than that guy, so I'm okay. We don't have to worry about that. And those are folks that God has sent us to save. I talked last week about the idea that we're God's invitation, right? We're his stars and we're his angels. We're the ones going out into the darkness to bring people to the light. As we celebrate Christmas, um, it's so easy to lose sight of what we're doing, right? To become like Clark, where we're looking for that perfect moment the right gifts and the right presents and the right food and the right, you know, everything. It's got to be perfect. Um, the only perfection that we can find in the holiday is in Christ, period. That's where it all is. If we're gathered together and we're worshiping Jesus together and we're remembering his death for us, it's perfect. Through and through. When you go out today, um, I have a tree in the back, which was wonderfully donated by a local Christmas tree farm. Um, and, and hanging on my tree are Christmas ornaments. Um, and my ornaments have the wise men, right? Like, it's really not hard, not easy to find Christmas ornaments with wise men on it, by the way. I didn't find any with shepherds. So, um, we have wise men. And what I want you to do is on your way out, I want you to grab one of those Christmas ornaments. They're glass, so don't let your kids touch them or your husband's. Um, <laughs> um, and I want you to hang them on your tree or I want you to put them in a spot where they can be a little reminder um, of the people that nobody wanted to invite, the people that nobody in their right mind would have invited, right? With the people who point to the divinity and the kingship of Jesus, the people that point to the, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the people that the Son of God himself came for, the rejected and the lost and the stinky. Grab one up on your way out and take it with you. We're going to pray and Roberta's going to play for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us this week. Be with us as we're, as we're going out and as we're uh, serving you in our community. As we, as we celebrate this season, help us to remember that you sent your son for the, the least of us, Lord. That you sent your son for the, the lost and the, um, those that are, that are not believers and those that are, that are sinful and those that stink and those that are, that are just not perfect. That we might be brought close to you. Help us to keep our eyes on your son and our savior in this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, as you go on out of here, I'm going to do a blessing. This is something I'm working at. It's new. So, um, when the angels left the shepherds, 
Um, and I read this last week, but it's one of my favorite lines of scripture. Um, and suddenly there appeared with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace amongst those with whom he's pleased. So as you go out of here, remember, um, because of Christmas, because of Jesus, there's peace, those that are pleasing to God, and those that are pleasing to God are shepherds and, and foreigners. Go in peace.